Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 158. And in this new year, my first topic is going to be what the scripture calls provision. And what we might say today is ultimately the promises that God will give you what you need when you need it. It's a theme, actually, that runs throughout the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scripture, and the New Testament, and it's found in many, many, many of the narratives underlying the first reading of the story. You'll see this theme over and over again. Actually, come to think of it, the whole of the Christmas story is all about provision, right? Providing a saviour. But today, since we're still in, we're still kind of near Christmas, I want to speak about the Magi, you know, these exotic visitors from the East, uh, ancient Persia. You'll see them around every manger scene, sometimes called the wise men or the three wise men. We don't even know there were three, by the way. We just know there's three gifts. But you'll see them on Christmas cards. There'll be a star and a camel and then the three kings. So that's the text. That's the, the story that I'm going to be looking at today. And um, kind of a fascinating story, the, the somewhat mystical, you know, the three, or let's just call them the magi, because we don't really know that there was three, carrying their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, if you've listened for any length of time at all, you will know that there's many different angles that you can look at these narratives and then you can apply them from in many different ways. So you could have one narrative and there could be 50 or, I don't know, <laughs> hundreds of application, hundreds of applications in, in, this, in the sense that what is this saying to me today? So I'm going to take a different approach a little bit different than I usually take, and I'm going to look at this from the perspective of how God provides for us, the story of the, of the, the Magi, the wise ones. Who were they anyway? Well, no one really knows for sure. But what's fascinating is, and this is worth a sermon in itself, they're not Jewish and they're certainly not what we would be, what we would call Christian. They're not Jewish and they're not Christian. They are seekers of truth. They are astrologers, stargazers. They are ancient philosophers, possibly priests. And they live in ancient Persia, which is Babylon, modern-day Iran. And the story is that one day, as they are studying the stars, they note a star that shone with extraordinary brilliance. There's something unusual about the sky. There's something unusual about the star. And as they study the star, they have an epiphany. And the insight is, the epiphany that they've never had before is that a new king has been born. Now, obviously, this is a, 
king of an entirely different sort if the whole of the cosmos is <laughs> sending out signals. This is something unusual. This is something different. And by the way, epiphany means a sudden intuitive perception. So if you have an epiphany on something, you have an insight. An unknown, a previously unknown truth is, is clear to you. And this is what happens to these, the Magi. There they are in ancient Persia studying the, the stars and they see the star and it's like, okay, something really significant has happened. I mean, even the heavens declare this. Even the cosmos declares this. And they decide to travel west to find this new king. Now, it takes a long, long, long time. Actually, it takes two years. So, you know, hate to tell you, but they really wouldn't have been around a manger scene. But nonetheless, when they arrive in the town where Jesus was, now two years old, they go to the palace, which is an appropriate place to go. They go to Herod, wicked King Herod's palace. And initially, they're quite naive that Herod would be threatened in any way at all. So they go to town, they go to the palace, and they ask Herod, or they tell Herod that they've, they saw the star. And did Herod know anything about this new king being born? Well, no, actually, he didn't, but he would check with his Jewish chief priest advisors who worked for him. And the chief priest said, yes, well, apparently there is this ancient prophecy that the new king would be born in Bethlehem. Well, by now, Herod is planning to have the child killed as soon as the Magi find him. Uh, because obviously he's threatened this new king has been born and he's threatened that he'll lose his control and power. And so he has a plan. He wants to find this new king and destroy him. So Herod says to the Magi, uh, okay, when you find this child, you come and let me know so that I can pay my respects too, Herod says to the Magi. And of course, the Magi catch on to what Herod is like and they don't return and tell Herod that they do find the child. So the text goes on to tell us that they find the child, Mary and Joseph, and this, the Christ child. And when they see him, they kneel. Uh, actually, prosketo is the word, and it means they, they actually fall down and worship him. They pay homage to him. They acknowledge him. They respect him. And they present the parents with these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh a gift for this new king. So fast forward in the story. When Herod finds out that he's been tricked and the Magi don't return to him, and the Magi don't tell him where this new, where this new king is, he is absolutely furious. 
Now, he's got a history of being violent, and the history books tell us it was, it was safer to be Herod's pig than his son, because if anyone crossed him in any way, they would die. He's power hungry, violent, and of course he wants to keep his reign. He wants to keep his power, and he's prepared to go to any length to keep his power. So what he does is, is that he orders the death of every child under two in Bethlehem. It's come to be known as the slaughter of the innocents. And you'll never really ever hear this part of the Christmas story. For the most part, you would never hear it on a Christmas Eve. You'd never hear it on Christmas Day. Because this is the, this is the violent, dark part of the story. Uh, but, but it's an important part because it shows that there is resistance from the very, very beginning. But you can understand why it's not covered on Christmas Eve, right? Shows the dark side of power threatened. It shows resistance. All the children, all the male children, are sought out as a threat. Now, before the, the, the slaughter takes place, Joseph is warned in a dream to escape. It's not safe. And so he takes Mary and the Christ child to Egypt. And the family stay there until the death of King Herod. So they basically end up being refugees. Mary and Joseph, the Christ child, they end up being refugees, what we would call refugees today, and they have to flee for their life to Egypt. Now, obviously, uh, God's hand of guidance is upon Mary and Joseph. However, uh, it doesn't mean that they're cocooned from all trouble. They have to leave everything familiar behind. And remember, they're poor people. They don't, they don't have much. There's there's, there's no government to help in those days. So they really are, you know, they're in a precarious position. However, they do have these unexpected gifts of the Magi, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And this just struck me recently in the last two or three years that this provision came to Mary and Joseph at exactly the right time before their escape to Egypt. Right? So they're going to Egypt. They're going to be there for at least two years because they can't return until Herod dies. So that provision of the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh came at the exact time that Mary and Joseph had to flee for their life. Now, in the past, I've spoken a lot about the symbolic nature of the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. And I've spoken that the gold is, uh, represents the kingship, and, uh, and myrrh was used for embalming, which prefigures Christ's death. 
and uh, frankincense was the incense, the priestly role in the temple. And uh, that's, there, that's all worthwhile to look at, but we're, we're not going to look at that today. What I want to do today is, is I want to take a completely different angle on these gifts. And I want to suggest that these gifts can be looked on as highly, highly practical. Frankincense and myrrh in Jesus' day was used as a medicine. In fact, frankincense had anti-inflammatory properties. And, but both of these, the, the frankincense and the myrrh, for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, they have been used in medicine. So this is just another way to think about this, another angle here, that God provided Mary and Joseph with two things people need, money and medicine, at just the right time this provision came. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this theme of provision, God giving us what we need, repeats itself throughout the entire scripture. And it's not just a promise for a few special ones here and there. This is one of the promises of God. In fact, one of God's names is Jehovah Jireh, which means, that's Hebrew for, God will provide. And this promise runs throughout the entire Bible. It comes up in many, many, many different stories in many, many different ways. Because apparently, first of all, we have trouble receiving the promise. And secondly, God wants us to know about this, right? So it's repeated a lot throughout the scripture. Mary and Joseph just when they needed it. They're refugees. They have to get out of Bethlehem. They are fleeing for their lives. It enabled, that gold would enable them to escape to safety and stay there until they could safely return to their homeland. Interesting, isn't it? When you think about it that way. That the provision came at just the right time. Now, you can guess where I'm going to go with this, right? Uh, because I said, this isn't just about Mary and Joseph. This is about who God is and what God does. God gives us what we need when we need it. Now, you know that it's not uncommon for us to worry about not having enough. And it can be enough of anything really you know we we worry about not being provided for i'm not necessarily talking about money but it could be money i know that many people do worry about not having enough money but there might be other things that feel i don't know insecure to you scarce so i think that when we speak about god Providing When we speak about God giving us what we need, we're really speaking about places where we feel a lack. 
or places where we feel a need. Something's missing. Another thing we can do is, is we can project something missing onto the future. So we're pretty good at this too. We can anticipate a need, and then before we have the need, we can worry about what will happen if this happens, right? It's a common thing. And then the sense of scarcity. I don't have enough. Could be anything. I don't have enough in this relationship that's important to me. I don't have enough in this job. I don't have enough in my future. I don't have, a, this house isn't, I need a place to stay. This house isn't working for me, or this job isn't working for me. This relationship isn't working for me. I'm not sure what to do with my life. I don't know what direction to take. There's a scarcity there. I'm not sure about direction. What is my purpose? What am I called to do? What am I supposed to do? Nothing's opening up for me. There's a scarcity there, isn't there? Now, it's worth noting that the gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh in this case, came to Mary and Joseph at just the right time. It was not in advance. This didn't happen like five years beforehand and say, hey, you'll need this in the future. Suck it away and you'll be fine. No, it doesn't really work that way. It came to them just before they needed to escape for their lives. And I'm suggesting that this is how God's provision works all, all the time and, and in every way. You know, there's a, a great old story uh, from, this is, Corrie ten Boom tells a story. Do you know about Corrie ten Boom, the Dutch Christian whose family sheltered Jews during the Second World War? They, they all ended up in Ravens, Ravensbrook. Well, if you don't know her, she's worth looking into and reading her book. But Corrie ten Boom tells this story about when she was a child so she's a child and she's worried about losing her father. She's going through one of these times, she's a little kid, she's worried about losing her dad. Uh, and her father said to her, Corey, when do I give you the ticket when you're traveling on the train? And Corey said, before I get on the train, you give me the ticket. And her dad said, yes, right, Corey, don't run too far ahead of God. God will give you what you need at the time you need it. In other words, his dad's saying, that's how grace works, Corey. This is how grace works. Provision is given at the time you need it. So there's a little kid worried about what will happen if... My father dies, and her father is saying, if and when it happens, if and when it does, grace will be given. In other words, you will be given what you need at the time you need it. So don't run too far ahead of God. 
Don't run too far ahead. God used the gift of the Magi to help keep the Christ child safe, to help Mary and Joseph survive. It was unexpected. They had no idea that they, first of all, they didn't even know they would need it. And it was quite unexpected, the visitors from the East, right? And often, this is what provision looks like. Often it comes from people we don't expect. Yeah, have you noticed that? Sometimes the people who really help you when you need help are not the people that you would think. You notice that? This is the way provision works. It comes at the time that God knows you need it. Generally speaking, it's not given in advance. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a promise. And it's a promise that God makes to each one of us. This idea of Jehovah Jireh. My provider. It's like, okay, see, there's the prayer. There's the heart cry. It's like when you get in touch with the place of need or want, something's lacking, something's missing, you're worried about something, it's God, God, help me, help me to trust that you will give me what I need at the exact right time. That's what trust looks like. Help me to remember. Help me to trust that promise that you are my provider. Well, thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.